Matthew 25, verse 14. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to one another one, each according to his own ability. And he went on his journey. Immediately the one who had received the five went and traded them and gained five more. In the, in the same manner, the one who received the two gained two more. But he who received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of the slaves came and settled accounts. Tell your neighbor he's going to settle accounts. The one who had received the five came up and brought five more, saying, Master, you gave me five, and see, I have gained five more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful in a few things, and I will put you in charge of many. Enter into the joy of your, everybody say it, your. Also the one who had received the two talents came and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have gained two more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You are faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many. Enter into the joy of your Lord, Master, Savior. Amen. Praise the Lord. And the one also who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. Verse 25 says, And I was afraid. Let's pray. Father, we pray right now. For your Holy Spirit to have its way, that you will manifest your glory and power, and that we will hear from you as the master of our lives. Let your servants be attentive and ready to receive all that you have for us, O God. Speak to us a revelation from your heavenly word. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Tell your neighbor, use it, don't lose it. All right, praise the Lord. You may be seated. Now, I've been on a little bit of a journey personally through the verses and the scriptures of God, and that keeps coming to my attention, the, the principle of the master and the servant, the master and the slave, because a lot of times as we serve God, we go through seasons in our Christian life where we might come to places where we start feeling like we're entitled to certain things. That we, de we deserve certain things. And usually that's because we, we put our hands to the plow and we work for the Lord, we serve the Lord, we might give our tithes, our offerings, our pledges, and then all of a sudden the, the enemy will start using that and the devourer will try to take your seed of, of whatever you offer unto the Lord and he will do so by what? By making you feel like you're entitled for whatever you have done for God. That we start feeling like, you know what, I, I, I'm a child of God, yes, amen, and, and I'm blessed and highly favored, yes, amen. But the truth is, we don't deserve any of it, hello. We are all servants in the Master's kingdom. And we got to understand that here, even in this parable, Jesus was trying to change the perspective of everybody that he was talking to. He was teaching principles to them so that they would start taking their mind off the here and now and begin to look up and start having a, an eternal perspective. Can I get an amen? You see, because I believe that a lot of us, we battle and we wrestle and we struggle a lot of times through trials when we're allowing ourselves to focus on the here and now. 
Why not now, Lord? I want it now, Lord. You know, I'm battling now. I'm going through this trial now. And we're so focused on now, and we're never really looking at tomorrow. We're never looking at why we're doing it. We're not really eternally minded. Christianity is perspective. And Jesus was challenging the perspective of the people here. He was challenging them, not only with this principle, but many principles before. He talked about the ten virgins, and he used this as an illustration to say that there will be many who will be called, hello somebody, but there will be those that won't be ready when the time comes up. We're looking for Christianity to bless us now, take care of us now, to experience the good rewards now. But my Bible said, and Jesus even said, that if we seek our reward here on earth, then guess what? We've already forfeited our eternal reward. Can I preach it this morning? Can I preach it this morning? Tell your neighbor, come on, wake up now, shake up now, come on. Don't get uneasy, don't get all depressed, don't get all sad. Hello, somebody, because we're going to go somewhere with this. How many want to get rich? I said, how many want to get rich? You see, getting rich. You see, when I say that even, many of us start thinking about the here and now. Oh, I want to be rich right now. Yeah, give me a million dollars, Lord, so I can hollas. Right away, we start thinking about right now. Yeah, I want to be rich right now, so I ain't gotta. I can go ahead and buy that house, buy that car, buy this, and take care of this, and I ain't gotta worry about the bills or the electricity. I can leave the aircon on all day. Hello, somebody. I can go ahead and turn up the heat when I want to. I ain't gotta worry about it. Hello, somebody. But guess what? Here in this parable, Jesus used three examples, and he was talking to the Christians. He was talking to his servants. He was not speaking to the unsaved. He was not speaking to the people outside the household of God. He was speaking to you and I that the truth is that one-third of everybody in this room might not make it to heaven. Now, I know some of y'all might have gotten somewhere with some doctrine of once saved, always saved. Well, I'm here to tell you a little something different. I'm here to tell you a little something different. Why would Jesus say this parable where the one servant out of the three who didn't invest what he had invested into him, he told him, depart from me, get away from me, go into your, into judgment. And he took away what he had invested into him and he gave it to the other servants who were faithful in investing what he gave to them. You see, you might think that Christianity is all about just getting saved. You might think that Christianity is all about just getting cleaned up. How God came into our life when we were so desperate that we needed help. We was a a drunk, old alcoholic, an abusive husband, father. We was a, a drug addict, messed up, tore up. We had family problems. We had personal problems. We had problems with the IRS. I don't know, but the truth is when we came to Jesus, we were so willing to go ahead and trust him and give him everything because we had nothing. But now that we have something, now that God has invested into us. It's up to us what we're going to do with it. Can I get an amen? Amen. How many want to be rich? Where's those hands now? Hallelujah. Come on. Lord, if I only had a million dollars, I can plant a few more churches right now. Hello, somebody. But we got to understand that one out of three here, the odds are in our favor. 
But how sad and how true it is that God invested so much into us. You see, God is not dumb. God is not usually an investor who's going to invest money or in, in any kind of investment. They're going to do their homework first. They're going to study and make sure that whatever they're going to invest or whomever they're going to invest in, that it's a wise investment, that it's not going to be an investment that will be wasted or that it will always come back with a return. Otherwise, they won't invest. How many know that God saw you and I as a wise investment? He saw you when nobody wanted you. He saw us when we was tore up, desperate. Not even our family wanted us around, my friend. But guess what? Jesus said, listen, I'm going to invest what I have done into their life. I'm going to give it to them, the beautiful gift of salvation that money can't buy, that nobody can give you. Only Jesus Christ can give it to us. That was an investment into our lives. Hello, somebody. And that investment, as we receive it, we need to start understanding that it hasn't been invested into us so that we will not bring back a return. We got to understand that that investment, God saw the potential in your life. He saw that you was a good investment. He says, I know you before you were formed in your mother's womb. I knew every hair on your head. Hello, somebody. I know every detail, every valley, every darkness, every lie, every truth, everything about your life. But yet I still see beyond all of those. And I see, listen, all I got to say is, look, that's a treasure. They're in darkness right now. But I'm going to pull them out. And guess what? I'm going to polish them up. I'm going to work in their life. But my friends, sometimes we get so polished up and so well-groomed that all of a sudden we start living on Christian reputation. Come on now. Give your neighbor a high five now. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Smile, 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 smile. Praise the Lord. The book of Revelations chapter 3, my friend. The church of Sardis. Again, the Lord is speaking to the church. Are we the church? The Lord is speaking to the church this afternoon. The Lord says to the angel of the church in Sardis write, He who has truth to the seven spirits of God, the seven stars, says this, I know your deeds, that you have a name, that you are alive, or a reputation that you're alive, or, or, or a testimony that you're alive, but you are Wake up. When I think about the legacy of Victory Outreach here in Hayward, when I think about the legacy of our founders, Pastor Sonny, when I think about, and, and over the years as I've been growing in the Lord, as I continue to utilize the fact that they have shared how God provided and God kept them and God opened the way before them, how God would speak, you know, the, the revelation of Isaiah into the ministry and how over the years from East L.A. the ministry has birthed into a worldwide movement. Now, I don't know about you, but my friend, that's a powerful testimony. But the problem is, is that that was the first generation of leaders within 
in our ministry, they were willing to go ahead and believe God by faith no matter what. They knew that the God they served was able to provide and able to make a way because they seen the miracles firsthand. They heard the testimony of our founder who was a heroin addict junkie from the New York streets. Hello, somebody who came into a, a home and all of a sudden Nikki Cruz was able to start praying over him. And as he prayed over him, overnight he was healed. He was set free. He woke up and he was a new creation. Now, my friend, where are those miracles at today? Where's the pancake miracles today? Where's the men and women ready to answer the call, not worried about how they're going to do it, trying to figure out A to Z today? See, when I went to Dublin, Ireland, I was young in the Lord, and I remember, man, I was just going full of faith and ready to do whatever. I had no veti yet. Hello, somebody. I had no leadership yet. All I knew was the leadership in the home. Get on your knees and pray. Obey. That's it. Praise the Lord. And when I went to Dublin, Ireland, man, to, you know, I was sent there to open the home, get the home going, and I was there with a purpose, with a calling, and this is a country ridden with heroin addiction, and thank God I never touched that stuff. I avoided it. Hello, somebody. But I didn't really understand it as well. But all I knew is that, listen, I heard the testimony of our founders and our leaders who who've seen miracles overnight, instantly healed from those addictions, and all of a sudden I just went with that seed of faith, and I would go, and I would start to bring in these heroin addicts who were kicking methadone and heroin and messed up so bad on that stuff that they would definitely go through withdrawals but I'd just start praying over them overnight and by the time I look up they would be falling asleep and as they would wake up in the morning no more sickness, no more death hello, no more of the body pains but they would wake up and they would be wondering what happened that's the kind of miracles I want to continue to see in my life let us not dwell on the testimony of our pioneers. Let us not be satisfied with the reputation of the past. The new day is here for victory outreach in the heart of Bay. You have a legacy and God has used this ministry to give birth to great and mighty miracles, to church planting, to launching out of missionaries. And guess what? The time is now for the next generation. And I know because I'm a part of that next generation. And because I'm a part of that next generation, we're the generation that is not going to be satisfied with just you tell me Jesus loves me. I want to see it. I want to see that Jesus loves me. I want to see how God loves me. How? Because we're going to show you that Jesus loves you. We're going to lay it down for you. Lay down what? My life. My treasures. The investment God has given to me. I'm willing to give it to you. Because I came to Jesus with nothing. 140-something pounds. Hello, somebody. I look like Skeletor on crack. Eyes all sunk in. Bald head, skin head, Nazi, whatever you want to call me. I was lost. So how dare when God starts blessing me, I start believing that I deserve more. Listen, these servants didn't come expecting more as they settled accounts with God. They just was happy that they were able to bring joy to the master. 
What was it that disqualified the one servant? Fear. Fear. Fear has crept into the church. Fear is the opposite of faith. Fear is robbing you. Fear is preventing you from launching into the deep, my friend. Fear of the unknown, fear of the possibilities, fear of all these things. And listen, my friend, don't be afraid to share the gospel in your school. Don't be afraid to let people know that Jesus Christ died for them, that the investment inside of you, you're willing to give it to others. Don't be afraid to invest. Because God has more in store for this church. Hello, somebody. God has more in store for this church. But let us not dwell on the, the testimony or the reputation, even yourself. Many Christians become comfortable selling, settling with, well, everybody knows I'm a Christian now. Everybody knows I was a drug addict, but no longer. I don't curse at work no more. They don't hear none of that junk. Hello, somebody. So now I got a good reputation. You see, that's the problem. Everybody's so concerned with reputation. One thing you, your pastor will tell you about me, man, I ain't never tripped on all that, man. I am who I am. I'm a white boy saved from the streets of Hayward. Hello, somebody. Loco, loco in the Lord. Hello, somebody. I don't really, you know, reputation, sometimes the enemy will use it. The desire for people to look at you, oh, yeah, he's a Christian. He's got life. Yeah, look at it. He's a new person now. But where's the power? Where's the authority? Where's that authority at? You see, one thing about the master, when he starts calling you, if you follow the master's call and he says, come, and you come, guess what? You're under his authority. You're under his authority. Why? Because he's your master. He's your covering. He's your protection. He's your provider. He'll say every servant in a master's household is provided by the master and is taken care of by the master's household. Hello, somebody. And we got to understand that if we only will start looking at perspective-wise eternity and not on the here and now, because when we're focused on the here and now, sometimes we bend the rules to make it happen. We manufacture our own blessings. We get the hustle inside. It starts to kick in a little bit. Amen. All of a sudden, when we're focused on the here and now, fear begins to grip us. Why? Because I'll tell you, I don't know how the bills get paid in the Philippines. We're in a third world country. Things happen. But I, all I know is we're still not in debt. Hello, somebody. God is still paying the bills. Many times every month, my wife will tell me, I hate to tell you this, but, and I just have to tell you, if it's God's will, he's going to pay the bill, my friend. All I know is that, listen, God is my master. As long as I listen to the voice of God, he's going to will me to be in a certain place. Place. And as long as I'm there, I'm under his protection. I'm under his authority. And nothing the enemy throws at me will be able to prosper because my Bible says that thou shall not prosper against this. Can I get an amen? But only when you're in obedience to the master. The one out of the three was not in obedience. He left him money for what? To bury no, it had a purpose. God's investment in our lives has a purpose. 
And some of us, we got our fire in the beginning, fulfilling that purpose, that fresh new faith. But all of a sudden, God started bringing you more to be a good steward because you were faithful here. God gave you a little more. And you were faithful here, gave you a little more. But all of a sudden, we stopped being faithful as he continued to give us more. God just wants you to follow him. Follow him. Jesus just says, listen, follow me. Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it just remains a grain of wheat. Are you happy just being an ordinary believer? I believe in Jesus. I'm going to go to heaven. I don't know. I can't say yes or no. It's not my job to do so. It's my job to try to encourage you, invest more, stretch your faith more, stretch your faith more. Because my Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please the Father, the Master. Without faith, it's impossible. So if I'm not following Jesus by faith, if I've got all my plans worked out from A to Z, I'm setting up my future so I can go ahead and launch out and do what God called me to do, then my friend, be careful because you're still living in fear. When the master calls you, there are going to be a lot of reasons why you can't follow him. And I'm not saying everyone's a missionary. Amen. Praise the Lord. I wish, I think everybody should be a missionary. Hello. I think you all need to get right before you get left. Amen. That's, I'm a missionary. I've been for por vida, for life. That's me. So I might be a kind of a Nazi missionary sometimes, but it's okay, man. I deal with that up here, man. I don't let you know all the, the you know. But the truth is, is though, you're still called to, to, to a measure of faith. The master invested a different measure in each servant. What has God invested into you, man? What has he continued to give to you to be a good steward of? Because that's what it's about, stewardship of God's investment. Stewardship. Oh, but I can't give my tithes. Oh. No way. 10%? I can't live on the 90%. I can't. I'm afraid. I have no salary as a pastor right now. God takes care of me. For more than 20 years, God has taken care of me. I, I fly around the world. God uses people to invest, but nevertheless, it's because of faith. You hear me? Oh, feed, feed me. No, I got to say, please don't feed me. I'm on a diet. Hello. I don't preach sermons that I'm not living. That's why I'm here as your kuya, your big brother right now. I might be younger than you, probably than most of you. Hallelujah. 
But the bottom line is, is that I'm not going to preach a gospel I'm not living because faith without works is dead. And, and I can only tell you to, to apply faith to the measure that I have applied in my life. And because of that, I want you to know that, listen, are you living in fear? Is the enemy, the devourer coming in? When, when God tells you to do something, are you responding out of doubt and out of fear and saying, oh, you know, at first you're like, yeah, the sermon was great, yeah. You're on the altar, and you're ready to make a commitment, but all of a sudden you get up from the altar, you go through the front back doors of the church, and all of a sudden the enemy comes and tries to devour your investment. Let us not be like this church. Good reputation. Let us believers not be focused on what people, you know, because I know my family, they hated me before. Well, they didn't hate me, but they didn't want me around. They weren't willing to invest anything more because I already squandered it. But now they get mad if I don't come and say hi or visit, if I don't give them the chance to give me a little Pentecostal here and there. Amen. But the bottom line is, is why? Because, you know, I'm not satisfied with just a good reputation. Good reputation will not get you to heaven. Your investment will. Look and change your perspective. Jesus wants us to change our perspective. He said, wake up. Stop looking at now, paycheck to paycheck. How many can say amen? We hear the voice of God speaking to the church because he wasn't speaking to the unbelievers. That tells us that this is going to be an issue because this is in the book of Revelation. This was a, a, a prophetic word from the angel of the Lord for the future. For the future. That means that it, it was spoken for us. How many can say amen? See, we got to understand, look, don't let us not squander the investment of even our leaders. Man, it's one thing that keeps me going is knowing that my pastor invested in me so much. Messed up as I was. Still saw some value in me. Still pioneered and paid a price and, and, and lived by faith and continued to inspire my faith. So I will never give up my post. I'm going to fight and die trying. What about the investment in your life? Let us look. Let us look and examine what has God invested into you? What has your leaders invested for us to have this beautiful, beautiful vision of victory outreach? Think about it. Don't just get all happy and, oh, yeah, that's powerful. Look at how they pioneered preaching with the pulpit of a TV and holes in his shoes. And listen, try to put yourself in those shoes, but still be able to carry on. Still be able to carry on. Why? Because the investment of Jesus into their lives was able to see the future, not the here and now. He saw the future, the treasures out of darkness, the hidden riches and secret places. He saw the Filipinos in the Philippines raising up from the dead. He saw that the time would come where the president will declare war on drugs but victory outreach will be right there. 
be right there, literally helping people come away from death. That's the vision. That's the legacy. That's the investment. Let us do whatever we can to build this right here. Every head bowed and every eye closed. One out of three. One out of three. I know I ain't preaching a gospel that is easy to swallow all the time. Hey, but I only got one service to share with you what God has put in me. This is how God's dealing with me. He's my master, man, and I want to be a good servant. But I know that without faith, I'm not a good servant. Without faith, I can't invest nothing. Everything I invest will be flesh. The only blood, sweat, and tears is not my own. It's Jesus Christ's blood, sweat, and tears for me. That's what he invested for me. And that's what I'm called to share. Not me, but him. There's a dying world out there, Victor Outreach. The time is now. Don't let the enemy slow you down, hinder it. Because tomorrow is not promised. The master might come to settle accounts. He might be here. In the blink of an eye. So let us no longer put it off for tomorrow, our investing tomorrow. Let's stand and let's just worship God in this place. Let's just worship and let's sing that song. Hallelujah.